Well, that's fun. And I'm happy today to welcome you wherever you're making your connection with us at Christ's Journey. Gables Campus, Kendall Campus, shout out to Kendall Campus. Uh, across the nation, around the world, we are beginning a new series today, Redefining Romance. And for that, we're turning to the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. And in it, one of the most significant questions that anyone can ever ask in life, how do you find a soulmate? Now, we can't just jump from that time, some 2000 BC, to our time, now 4,000 years later, and yet the issue is timeless, isn't it? It's as old as humanity. How do you find the right mate? You ever wondered? You ever wondered about marriage? You know, should I marry? Who will I marry? How do I find somebody who's marryable? I mean, has, has your mother or some other relative, maybe your crazy aunt, just asked you about that? So, you know, time is moving. When is it going to happen here? We don't talk about marriage so much today. We talk about soulmate, finding your soulmate. Where can I find my soulmate? And if only the question were as easy to answer as it is to ask, Right? The American Psychological Association, the leading psychology organization in the United States, says that our culture, in our culture, the vast majority of people marry. Now, it's taking us longer to do it, but over 90% of our population marry by age 50. And then they go on to say this, healthy marriages are good for couples' mental, physical health, and healthy marriages are, are good for children and for growing up in, uh, in a happy family, it protects children from mental, physical, educational, emotional, and social problems. Did you know this is the Bible's plan as well for that to happen? Marriage is God's gift to humanity. That means it's worth doing, and it's really worth doing well. However, the association goes on to say, that about 40 to 50% of uh, married couples in the United States divorce. And the divorce rate for subsequent marriages is even higher. Now, divorce is a topic for another, month, another message next month, uh, but for today, our focus is on its beginning and how do you search for a soulmate. So, today's culture has many of us hesitant and maybe even suspicious about marriage. Did you know <laughs> that in spite of that, the wedding industry in the United States is worth 53 billion, B, billion dollars. So we may be hesitant, but we're not bailing out completely on it, you know? We're still holding out hope for us and trying to redefine romance. Now maybe that's where you find yourself today. February is a month of romance in our culture. So today, we're talking about searching for a soulmate. You say, I'm not searching, okay. So maybe you're not listening for yourself today, but maybe you're listening for somebody else. Maybe for a friend or a child or a niece or a nephew or somebody else that, because I'm telling you, multiplied millions of people are searching today or are at least curious. TV shows like The Bachelor, and Bachelorette are now considered staples in pop culture. 
There are dozens and dozens of websites that millions of people are using. So a lot of people are talking about it these days, even as our culture struggles to redefine relational reality. You know, we're trying to find ourselves in greater awareness, but we're also trying to make deeper connection with others. And yet at the same time, some say they don't believe romance exists. Maybe because of pain in their past. Maybe because it's never been part of their experience in life. Others think it should just like fall from the sky, you know, like bam, zap you. You're in love. How do you know you're in love? You just know. You know, love at first sight. You just know. Well, here's what some other people know. Love hurts. And they've seen it do it in their own families. So they're hesitant or maybe afraid to commit. Does that sound familiar to you? To deal with the, uh, the fear we just don't commit. So we'll do a trial run, you know, we'll move in, we'll do a test drive, so to speak, but, but we withhold ourselves from each other even as we hold out hope that maybe, maybe a connection could happen. Or maybe I'm talking to somebody who feels a little stale in your marriage. For you, um, it, it, instead of a soulmate, it, it feels like you're more in a stalemate kind of marriage. Well, I would want to say to you, God has a way to enliven the soul of every marriage, and I am holding out that hope for you. In fact, I'm praying for it. If you are open for, to redefine romance from God's point of view, then there's going to be some help here for you. Genesis chapter 24, longest chapter in the book of Genesis, can light your path in four searchlight principles to answer this question. Let me just list them, and then we'll take uh, each one in turn. Number one, seek God's will. Seek God's will. Find this throughout the Scripture. Psalm 37.4 says it this way, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Seek God's will. This is the spiritual step. Step number two, focus on shared values. Focus on shared values. This is the philosophical step. Step number three, trust your most trusted, trustworthy others. This is a very practical but social step where you get help from people who know you, who care about you, who love you, and, then, and want the best for you. And then number four, act in decisive obedience to your understanding of what God wants. This is your actional step. You know, like Nike's brand uh, logo? Just do it. Well, before you do anything, that's step four, there are three other things to consider. So here's the story. A charming one, but unnerving for today's ears. It's the story of how Isaac and Rebekah became soulmates. Now, Isaac is Abraham's son, the son of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah. Rebekah is the channel through whom the blessing of God's Messiah would come to future generations in our world. So looking back now, we know that Jesus Christ would come through this lineage. So the choice of a spouse is no small decision. And yet many call this the first love story in the Bible. But if you're looking for the 
trappings of romance, the way our culture dresses it up, you're in for a shock. Um, They're just not here. According to ancient custom, Father Abraham would be seeking a wife for his son. So he enlists the help of his most trusted servant, Eliezer. Chapter 24, verse 3. I want you to swear by the Lord, God of heaven, God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, but you will go back to my country, to my own relatives, and get a wife for my son, Isaac. So he sends him home, sends him back to the home country. It's some 468 miles away in search of a soulmate. Eliezer makes the covenant oath, you know, on my honor, I will pledge. He he makes the commitment, and then he takes 10 camels, fully loaded, and uh, makes the 17-day trip back to the country we now call Iraq. And there he comes to a well, and he prays, verse 12, Lord, please grant me success in my search. If a maiden comes out to draw water, And I say to her, please, let me have a drink. And she says back to me, sure, and not only you, but I'll draw water for your camels as well. Let her be the one. This is his prayer. Before he finishes praying, verse 15, Rebecca comes out with a water jar on her shoulder. And uh, verse 16, he notices her because she's very beautiful. And then he rushes over to the place where she was. And verse 17, he says, please give me a little water from your jar. And so she serves him a drink. And then wouldn't you know what she says, the magic words. Verse 19, I will draw water for your camels until they've finished drinking. Bam! It's the, it's the sign, and yet he doesn't jump on the sign. He watches it all unfold, and then he says thank you with uh, some jewelry, a nose ring, a uh, really nice bracelet for her arm. And then he asks her if, uh, if there's room, if he could come and stay with her family, if there's room in her home for him, for him to come and spend the night. And she says, yes, there is. And, and then he praises God, and, and she runs on home to tell her mom everything that just happened that day. Meanwhile, her brother Laban, who's heard the story, sees this great jewelry, 10 ounces of gold, on his sister, and he goes to bring in this generous stranger home where a nice meal is being prepared. But before the servant, this generous servant, takes his first bite, he, and he must be famished after such a long trip, right? He has to tell his story. And so he tells where he's from, why he's come, who his master Abraham is, how he's so wealthy, and he tells him about Isaac, God's promise, and God's son of promise, and then he tells about his prayer. I said, Lord, if she says this, then I'll say this, and, and then how Rebecca said that, and bam, you know, there's bingo, she's the one. Verse 50, it sounds like the Lord, the family all says together. And then they say, okay. So then the servant, the servant worships God and he breaks out gifts for the family and then they eat and then they get a good night's sleep. Next morning, verse 55, mother and brother want to hold off for about two weeks. Now that seems understandable, doesn't it? It's a big deal. The servant, on the other hand, man, he's ready to get this glory train back on the tracks with its precious cargo back to Isaac. And fulfill his mission, his duty, right? 
And, uh, and so the family asks Rebecca, what does she want? Verse 58, she says she's ready to go. So the family, with the family's blessing, then they, they launch their, uh, their amazing adventure where she meets Isaac and where he offers her complete, full acceptance, receives her with full acceptance, and then they begin their transformation ride of holy matrimony into the future. Verse 67, she became his wife, and he loved her. Now, before you dismiss the story as like totally irrelevant or uh, ridiculous, let's just peel back some of the wrapping so that we can see the searchlight principles here, shall we? Number one, remember, start with the spiritual. Start with the spiritual. Seek God's will. Now, before you try to find your missing piece, P-I-E-C-E, in someone else, the Scriptures instruct us to find your missing piece, P-E-A-C-E, in God. And the Bible's first love story redefines romance by saying this, start with God. Start with God. And even if you're already married, you can do that right now. You can start with God today. How do you do that? In five action words, here they are. Word one, believe. Believe God is a blessing God. That's what Abraham does. Verse one, the Lord blessed him in every way. That's the belief behind Psalm 37 verse four that we read earlier. Delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you. He's a blessing God. He's a blessing God and he desires to bless his people. And one of the first things required in a successful search God's way is realizing that God is your ultimate soul mate. God is your ultimate soul mate. True soul satisfaction comes from God, not from any other human being, not from marriage. Only God can meet the deep needs of the human soul. So we trust God. That's what we learn in the story. The father of the groom does, his representative does, his bride-to-be does, her family does, the groom does, and you can do it too. You can believe that God is a blessing God. Number two, word action number two, pray. Pray. The search begins with a covenant oath. That is a solemn vow. Verse nine, in the name of the Lord God of heaven and earth, We're entering the conversation with God. And then as he makes his journey, the servant prays, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success. And then when Rebecca's family hears the story, verse 50, they are conversing with God. They say, you know, that sounds like the Lord. This is the Lord. It's like what the New Testament tells us, James chapter one, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God, pray, and it will be given to you. So you can do that, right? You can pray. Action word number three, search. Search, verse 10. He set out for Aram Naharaim, and according to custom, you might remember, the uh, father's responsibility is responsible for the search. And so what Father Abraham does is bring his top aide, his chief of staff, his most trusted, uh, the best, and, and invites him to do the best he can with the best that he has. Now, in our culture, there's a typical process that has been followed through the years. It involves friendship. 
Friendship building through dating looks like this. We move from acquaintance to friendship to serious courtship to engagement, then marriage. That's been a typical practice, right? The point is they get moving in the process. It's always easier to guide a moving object. That's a spiritual principle as well. The principle is get moving. Get involved in the process. Action word number four, be led, or a word, or one word. I know that's two words. Here's one, follow. Follow. Verse 26, the Lord has led me on this journey, the servant says. Are you willing to be led? Because in the story, we find that this was Abraham's legacy. He was the kind of person who was willing to follow God's lead. And so are the people in the story. I mean, they're watching for God's signals. They're willing to be led by the signals. And what we discover is the signals don't all come at once. They come, it's a process. It's a process of believing and of praying and of searching and of following. And the signals, when they come, they're not like spectacular signs, you know? There's not a lightning bolt. There's no glowing angels. It's rather the steady discerning of faith through common sense events. He would be led, yes, but not by sentiment and not by appearances only. He would follow a reasoned faith that is growing as he goes. Action word number five, wait. Wait. Verse 49. Now, we're not so good at this. You know, we want it now. Come on, what's taking so long? But some of the best things in life take time. That's also a message of this story. Isaac had waited 40 years. He hadn't taken up with a Canaanite princess in that time. He'd maintained self-control. Verse 8 says they realized that even when they found someone, that she, she might still say no. But he wasn't supposed to force the issue if that was the case. He was supposed to wait and be willing to let God work. So wait on the Lord. You're never wasting time when you're waiting on God. So here they are. Believe, pray, search, follow, or be led, and then wait. And all of those under the searchlight of seek God's will. Searchlight number two, identify your values. Abraham says, not from the daughters of the Canaanites, but go to my country. Go to my country, my home country, and get a wife for my son. In other words, go back to the place where your family values are shared. Have you identified your values? Do you have a list? Do you know how to speak them? Not just what you want in a mate, but but the character qualities that can build life. The story shows the servant identifying some of those core values from his family that he shares with Abraham. He's kind of conducting his own background search, actually. You know, it's like, where are you from? What's your family like? Um, Verse 23, he asks about her family. He even stays in her home. You want to know something about somebody, visit their home, right? Hospitality is customary in this culture. But even there, he takes the conversation to the next level. He starts sharing his story. He finds out about her family. You know what he's looking for? Is my master's family, Abraham, and this family going to be a match? He's looking for a cultural fit. Verse 16 says that Rebecca is attractive. 
Uh, we're not told what that means, but she must have presented well for him to take note. And I got, this made me think about the, a card I got from my wife one time. I've gotten her many cards, but I'm just, this one came to mind. On the outside, it said, um, you are the salt of the earth. And then you open it up and it says, and your shaker's not bad either. You know, he, her appearance in the story turns his head, but you know what grabbed his heart? What led his prayer? It was character. Character. That's in the story. Watering camels is no small job. And watering 10 camels makes it exponentially harder. Why? Because camels can drink, look it up, between 25 and 40 gallons at a single setting. And each gallon weighs around 8 pounds. So what this woman had just volunteered to do was move a whole lot of water. This was a big job. I mean, the sign that the servant prayed for was an indicator of character. What's her work ethic going to be like? Is she, does she have the heart to serve? Is she willing to help others? So if you want to redefine romance God's way, then here's what I'm taking from this. You identify the values, the character traits that help build lives, that help build a future. Integrity, generosity, hospitality, service, faith. That means you don't just date by passion. (laughs) Though passion's important, you date by principle. That's what we're learning from the story. What What are the qualities that you want in your family life? What are the qualities that when children are a part of the story that that matter most to you for them to have in a mother or in a father? Identify those values and then be willing to take the time to see them acted out in the setting, in the family setting. We see that happening in the story. Searchlight principle number three. Trust your most trusted, trustworthy others. That simply means get people that you trust involved in your process. If you think you found your most, you think you found your potential soulmate, then don't be afraid to check them out through people who know you and who love you. Abraham brought his most trusted, trustworthy servant, his chief of staff, who oversaw everything that was his, and he involved him in the process for him. Who can you involve? Who are your most trusted, trustworthy others in your life? Is it your mother? Is it your dad? Is it your brother, your sister? Is it a close friend? Is it, is it somebody in your small group? Is it a spiritual mentor? Is it a pastor? See, we can all find somebody who can help us. Verse 57 says, when all of those others who, who loved Rebecca had offered their input, Then they say this, hey, let's just ask Rebecca, what does she want to do? It was ultimately her choice, and they would honor her understanding of God's will for her life. So you know what Rebecca did? Searchlight principle number four. She acted. You act in decisive obedience to your understanding of God's will. Either you get in or you get out. You know, you say yes or you say no. 
You walk through the door or you close that door, right? You don't live in the middle. If you have doubts, you talk them out. You work them out. Listen, don't ever, don't just marry to avoid embarrassment. There's something worse than loneliness. It's regret. Regret is a loneliness of a deeper kind. But listen, when the waiting is over, when you've answered the character question, the faith question, gotten your trusted, trustworthy others involved, and now you just, oh my goodness, there's only one thing left to do. It's act. Then that's what you do. Nobody in the story had exhaustive information, and yet they each had enough to make their decision. You may come to that point. You don't have all your questions answered, but you've got enough. Listen, marriage is always a risk. It's a step of faith. If you wait till everything is perfect before you marry, then you're gonna be waiting for the wedding feast of the Lamb in the kingdom of God in heaven eternal. There comes a time when you just have to step out in faith and act. And the servant says, verse 56, don't detain me. Now that the Lord has granted me success, verse 61, so he took Rebecca and he left. And verse 67, she became Isaac's wife and he loved her. Action steps. Listen, here's what I know. You never learn to skydive until you jump. You don't learn how to swim via correspondence in a webinar. No, you got to get in the pool. I can tell you this. You could probably tell me this. Living together is not being married. It's like floating two boats in the same bathtub. You know what marriage is? Marriage is making the commitment, dropping the anchor, and then trusting God to help this make this thing work based on the character that we've discovered and the obedience to his will. So what can you do? Well, then where are you in the process? Here's what you can do. You can get spiritual. You can seek God. You can believe, pray, search, follow, and then wait. You can do that. Is that your step today? You can identify your values. Not just what you want in a in a mate, not just family background, education, vocation, appearances, likes and dislikes, but character, especially character. What are the qualities that you can build a life from? And you can trust your most trusted, trustworthy others. You can involve them in the process, if you will. But how about this? While you're waiting, become the person you would most enjoy being with. How? Delight yourself in the Lord and let him guide the desires of your heart and let him fill you with his presence, with the delight of his presence, with his character, with his love, with his joy, with his presence to the point that that, that and then, then watch for this, see what that magnetism draws out in your life experience, in your relationships. You know what? It was through volunteer service that Rebecca found her soulmate. We've seen that happen as people step into service in this church as well. I don't know what God's step, next step is for you, 
But if it hasn't happened, I do know this. God is your ultimate soulmate. Would you let him, invite him, welcome him to work in your soul, to bring the peace that you seek, P-E-A-C-E, to, to, find, to help you find the missing peace in him for your heart. And then whether you're married or unmarried, can I invite you to do the same thing, to let God care for your soul and help you grow in faith, hope, and love under his blessing. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the way that you love us, for the patience that you have toward us, for the character that you have demonstrated for us, for the wisdom and insight that you bring to us, that your word is like a light to our path that can guide our decision-making and enlighten our wisdom, and especially in an area as so such significance as our relationships and our soul relationships. We trust you and love you as our soulmate today. You are the ultimate need meter of our hearts. And so we invite you now to bring your blessing to our lives as we seek to fulfill your will from this point forward. Now, our head's still bowed for just a moment longer, but if you're opening your life to let Jesus Christ be your ultimate soulmate today, may I offer a prayer that you can use to welcome him Lord Jesus, come into my life. I don't want you outside of my heart. I want you inside my heart so that we can have fellowship with each other and your love can fill my life, forgive my sins. I receive the gift of salvation and I trust that as you promised, when I call upon you, you respond to me. Thank you for coming into my life. Now lead me in the steps ahead. Now our heads still bowed just for a, one final moment. If you prayed with me that prayer to open your life to Jesus, would you let me know just by raising your hand and let me in, ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith. Whether at Kendall Campus, our pastors there watching Gables Campus likewise online, you can click that orange banner that's right there under the screen. Thank you. Lord Jesus, for every person who is trusting you to be their ultimate soulmate today. May they sense your presence within them, feel your arms everlasting under them, your hand of healing upon them, and the smile of your presence with them as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.